0: and go ahead and turn to the book of Acts with me. Throughout this series, these last eight parts and today's ninth part, we've looked at what it means to be the church, to be the church that God has called us to be. We've looked at both what it means to have an outward living, to honor one another, to love one another, and also an upward living, to be devoted to God, to his word. Both of those Or what the church does who the church is and what we are to do as we bring this series to a close today I want us to consider and remember one thing that we are the church the church is not the building the church is not an event or a program but the church is the people of God collectively gathered to honor him and to love one another And our mission as the Church of God has remained the same for the last 2,000 years. To love Jesus, to learn what it means to follow him, to care for one another, to teach others to do the same. Another way could be said is to go therefore and make disciples of all nations, then to teach them what it means to follow Jesus. Let's go ahead and pray and we'll look at some passages today. Lord, I think of people whose race is nearly complete. Lord, some of us are knowingly closer to that day, and some of us will be surprised on that day. Lord, none of those things surprise you. Lord, as we consider our race, Lord, may we recognize that whether we think we have a hundred days, or a hundred years, or however long we have, that you are the only one who knows for sure how many days we have. So may we make the most of them, may we know that they are short and fleeting, like the vapor, like a breath, like a thought, our life has come and gone. So Lord, may you give us wisdom knowing what to do, how to do it, may we honor you with our lives. May our church be one that reflects your glory and the nature of Christ sacrificially loving one another. Lord, we also ask that as the women come down from the mountain today, that they would be safe, that they would have had a time together where they have loved one another and gotten to know each other, to fellowship, have time alone, both with each other and with you. Lord, we ask that today that you would open up your word to our hearts, to our minds, to our hands, that we would not only know your word, but we would hide it in our hearts and that we would take to heart what you've called us to be. we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the last eight weeks and eight plus weeks, ten weeks or so, but eight sermon series weeks, we started way back with the church being of God to delineate between the church being of us and the church being of God. And we read Ephesians chapter 3. This is so that God's multifaceted wisdom made me made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities of heaven. This is according to his eternal purpose accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. God's multifaceted wisdom may be now made known through the church. So that God's wisdom may be made known through the church. God's wisdom is a multifaceted, multicolored, multilingual, multicultural, multinational, and multi-racial kingdom. The Church of God is exactly that, the Church of God. Not of Grace Community Church, not of Madeira, not of California, not of the United States, but the Church is the Church of God. Defined by Him as what it means to be the Church is born-again believers who seek to follow Jesus. When we as individuals who follow and love Jesus come together collectively, we become the church. And the church's mission is to call others to do the same. The church contains people from all languages, from all lineages, and from all locations to, as Ephesians said, to collectively display the multifaceted wisdom of God. So when we come together, our intention and our purpose is to share God's wisdom, to reflect the nature of Christ. And when that happens, people take notice. It's not a normal thing for people to love one another outside of an immediate family. When we come together, we display God's multifaceted wisdom. And when the church is living as it should, it accomplishes God's purpose. Okay, we also looked at the church being gospel-centered, Preaching and both worship and preaching. The church being gospel-centered. The church is to proclaim the good news of Jesus. To proclaim salvation for the lost. To proclaim that there's a better way of living. To proclaim that there's one way of eternal life. Gospel-centered preaching. Gospel-centered living. A gospel-centered church keeps us centered on the gospel. If we stray from the gospel and wander so far that we are no longer gospel-centered, we cease to become the church, and we begin to become a social club. The church's outwardness and upwardness, where we live with one another, and we also live in relation to God, outward and upward, Upward living means that we are devoted to God's word, devoted to prayer, devoted to the things that God has called us to do, while outward living means that we are koinonia fellowship, that we have a deep and God-given relationship with one another because of who Christ is and because of what he's done for us. So that is the outwardness of our koinonia fellowship. You know, in January, we're going to go to two services and some of that koinonia will feel like it's lost. Already there are times where people say I just don't know everybody. I haven't met everybody. I haven't had a chance to get to know certain people and that's only going to get harder. It's a challenge that we will have to be purposeful to overcome. That we can maintain fellowship and that we can maintain a relationship with one another. So that we can continue to live that outward nature of loving one another. So to that end, you got to find somewhere in a small group to be. Sunday morning, Wednesday night, a midweek, Thursday, Friday. Finding a small group of believers and spending time with them maintains that fellowship. If you're not in any kind of small group, I would strongly encourage you to find a small group. We've got a lot of different places to be. This past Wednesday, we had 250 people here. We had a lot of people here on Wednesday night. So even furthermore, we have to be intentional about how can we get to know one another. It's hard on Sunday morning when you have a few minutes. It's hard on Wednesday night when you have a few minutes, but then you're in a class or you're meeting midweek and you're building that fellowship, the purpose being to love one another. And one of my favorite messages was the fourth one, that the church had been with Jesus. You might remember that Peter and John were looked at strangely and they were preaching boldly. In Acts chapter 4 and the people were amazed and Acts 4 says and they recognized that they had been with Jesus What a great description of two people who had come together explicitly to say this is our purpose and this is our mission and the outward other Non-believing people looked at them and said there's something strange about them. They had been with Jesus We looked at have you been with Jesus have I been with Jesus Is it obvious to others that our lives are one that has been with Jesus? You know, yesterday I was thinking about that question. And it's often easy when we're here for us to look like we've been with Jesus. But when we have to fire an employee, do they recognize you've been with Jesus? When you get fired, does your boss recognize you've been with jesus like the easy times it's easy the hard times are what peter and john was going through the hard times are when we most need to reflect the nature of christ and then we went on to good needs and good deeds the church grew quickly in the book of acts they had a lot of good needs the people had and then they had a lot of good deeds to meet those with growth brings new requirements brings the need for new volunteers and new servants and new leaders. The church in Acts had brand new leaders that were learning how to lead, and we have the same thing. Our church is in a season of growth right now, and we need new servants. We need new volunteers. We need new leaders. We need new people who are equipped and ready to handle the Word of God rightly. And it's a good opportunity. These are good challenges that we have. In Galatians 6.10, it says, therefore, as we have the opportunity, do good for all, especially those of the household of God. The more the church grows, the more opportunity we have to be salt and light in the community, to have people see of our good deeds, both individually and collectively, to see that the church is functioning as it should. If you don't serve in any capacity and you want to serve in some capacity... Fill out your communication cards, put your name on it, and just, you know, write, I want to serve somewhere. I want to do something. And if you know what you want to do, you know what you're good at, you know what you like, write that down. If you don't, that's fine. You can try some things and, hey, I love cooking, or I don't love cooking, or I love doing this, or I don't love doing that. But we're going to have a a lot more needs, especially as we go to two services. On Wednesday night, for example, I didn't have a, a specific responsibility, and I ended up helping find a kid who had wandered off. I went up and worshiped with the youth for a little while, checked on a couple classes. I went with the, uh, the TNT girls and learned some hand motions. I can't remember the song, but I do remember the hand motions. was like, like that, and Faith is teaching me, clap. Yeah, that way, that way. See, I was like having fun, learning with the TNT girls. There's lots of good opportunities for you to say, hey, I like working with the kids. Well, here's some opportunities to work with the kids. I like working with adults, opportunities for that. I like working behind the scenes. Lots of ways that we can get involved in serving. One of them specifically that I've been thinking about is on Sunday mornings when we go to two services, we're going to have a half hour between services, and we'd like to have a full breakfast. So, bacon, eggs, pancakes, or breakfast burritos or something, and it's a lot of work. Somebody has to buy the food, cook the food, clean up afterwards. But we want to have out here time for us to be together time for us to be able to be the church of god to care for one another so we need people to help and come together to serve one another in just about every capacity and as we love one another we demonstrate jesus's love for us the good needs that we see the good deeds that we perform in order to meet those are exactly what jesus did he went around healing from city to city and casting out demons and meeting the needs of the people. We saw that the church was generous in all things. The big picture that we looked at was generosity was not an amount, it was a condition of the heart. To recognize that whether in little or in much, whether it's financial or time or some other way, that being generous is a condition of the heart. And we looked at living out the one another commands. We looked at some of the 50 plus one another commands. The greatest one, in my opinion, is to love one another. John thirteen thirty-four. Jesus says, I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. The next verse goes on to say, and by this, they will all know that you are my disciples when you love one another. Our purpose is to love one another and to show the unbelieving world, Christ, through our love for one another. And then last week we looked at mixed steps to spiritual maturity. You know, newborn babies don't stay newborn for very long. My wife often says babies don't keep. You know, they they spoil and then they grow up and then you have a whole different thing that you got to learn and they keep growing up and they're teenagers, and you have a whole new thing you have to learn. And in that same way as Christians, we should go through those phases. We start and we steadily progress through what it means to be a Christian and walk in spiritual maturity. One of those is discipleship, both being discipled and discipling others. That's part of the Great Commission is to, therefore, go and make disciples. Having known what Jesus taught, having received salvation, having been forgiven of your sins, go therefore and make disciples. So today I want to look at what it means for the church to be on repeat. So turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to first look at the mission of the church as the good news. In Acts chapter 8, we're going to start in verse 4. It says, So those who were scattered went on their way preaching the word. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah to them. So Stephen had been murdered for being a Christian. There was a time of persecution where the other Christians were being attacked and being arrested and being put on trial. And so they started to scatter. And that's where we find here when those who were scattered went, they went on their way preaching the word. They took the good news with them wherever they went. In times of peace, the same thing happened. In in, uh, Acts chapter 9, Saul had been persecuting the Christians. He had received letters that he could take and say to the other synagogues, the Jewish synagogues, if you have any Christians around, I have paperwork that allows me to arrest them and put them on trial. And then Jesus met Saul on the road to Damascus, and everything changed. In Acts 9, verse 31, after Saul had been persecuting and had then been converted to Jesus, Saul was now preaching and causing more persecution for the Christians. But when Saul left, it says, The church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened Living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in number. The church knew their mission. The church knew that wherever they went, whatever they were doing, that the good news went with them. That they were Christians here. They were persecuted, so they left and they were Christians there. In Acts chapter 11, starting verse 19, Now those who had been scattered as a result of the persecution that started because of Stephen made their way as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word to no one except Jews. But there were some of them, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, who came to Antioch and began speaking to the Greeks also, proclaiming the good news about the Lord Jesus. So the the persecution resulted in more people leaving, a continued exodus of Christians out of the area, who again took the good news with them. They were not Christians only in the church. They were not Christians only at home. But as they went, they took Christ with them. The good news, one of the old church fathers says that that the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And as they went, they planted those seeds with their blood all throughout the known world the mission being the good news wherever they went they took the good news with them whatever their circumstances they were facing good or bad in times of peace or in times of persecution the Christians were Christians not where it was safe but everywhere they went we go to places that are safe most everywhere we go you can be a Christian and it's fairly easy There might be light persecution. Some of us go to areas that are not easy and maintain our Christianity. But as we go, wherever that is that we go, the mission of the church still remains the same. To take the good news to the lost who have never heard it. So whether we are together, collectively gathered as the church or whether we have spread, It is our responsibility to take that good news where we go. So what does that look like in your life? You go places that I don't go, you meet people that I don't meet, you know people that I don't know, and vice versa. So as I go, I meet people and share the good news. As you go, you meet people and share the good news. And collectively, the mission of the church is accomplished as we spread the good news. The second thing I wanna look at today is the ministry of the church is committed disciples the ministry of the church is committed disciples in acts chapter 14 starting in verse 21 the church continues to grow because after they had preached the gospel in that town and made many disciples they returned to lystra to iconium and to antioch strengthening the disciples by encouraging them to continue in the faith and by telling them It is necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. When they had appointed elders for them in every church and had prayed with fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. So after they preached, they went about making disciples. They were active in their making disciples. It says, then they returned to Lystra, to Iconium, and to Antioch, and they were strengthening the disciples that were there. So they made disciples, went back and visited the disciples to strengthen them and to encourage them. That's discipleship. A new person believes in Jesus and they don't really know what that means. How do I live that life? What am I supposed to do or to not do? How do I spend my time and my energy? What does it mean to follow Jesus? So they made disciples and they went back to strengthen and encourage them. And this was a unique time that we don't live in because listen to how they encouraged them in verse 22. They told them this, it's necessary to go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. That's a pretty specific way to encourage someone. Hey, it's not going to be easy. Your life is going to be hard, a lot of hardships. They weren't promising a life on earth that was going to be great. They were promising that the life to come When the race is complete and you've run the race and you've finished well, then you have the crown of glory that's stored up. Not now. Now, they need to be strengthened and encouraged by telling them it's going to be hard. It's not going to go easy for you. But look at the very last verse. They had appointed elders for them in every church. They prayed with fasting and they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. And in discipleship, there's sometimes that all you can do is just commit that person to the Lord. Lord, I've done what I can. I pray that you would encourage and strengthen that person as they go out. You think of Caleb and Lydia, as they're out, we've committed them and commissioned them to the Lord. And there's nothing we can do to help them. They're overseas, and they're in a hostile area, and they're doing what the Lord's called them to do. And we just leave it in the Lord's hands, because if they call and say... Can you help me? Can you come pick me up? We're a little far away, so we trust that the Lord will handle their lives and what they've been committed to do. Man named Horatius Bonar says, "If you are Christians, be consistent. Be Christians out and out. Christians every hour in every part. Beware of half-hearted discipleship of compromise with evil." of conformity to the world, of trying to serve two masters, to walk in two ways, the narrow and the broad at once, it will not do. Half-hearted Christianity will only dishonor God while it makes you miserable. You know, we are Christians. The mission of the church is the good news. The ministry of the church is to make disciples. And people are watching. They want to know, does your life match what you say? They know something of the Bible. Does your life match what they know of the Bible? Most people know that the Bible says, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. You know, you can't drink and smoke and do all those kinds of things. I know the Bible says that somewhere. And if they see you posting about last weekend, we got drunk and had such a great time. They know something doesn't match here. You're half-hearted. You're living a lifestyle that doesn't match what the Bible says. And they notice that, and they know that. So we are called to be faithful and committed Christians because the ministry of the church is to make disciples. Nobody wants to be discipled by somebody who is not really committed to what they're saying. So our calling is to be committed, to be faithful, to love each other well. So the mission is the good news the ministry is to make disciples, and the message of the church is on repeat. You might remember having VHS tapes, and I remember we had some VHS tapes. I don't know what it stands for, so I was, I was going to help the younger, younger, like I'm super young still. I've, you know, if you're like 15, 20, and younger, you probably have seen a VHS tape, but you don't really know what a VHS tape is. You put it in, and it had like tape that rolled through, and then when you watched the movie, you had to hit rewind, and it spun all the tape backwards to the other side, and you had to sit there and watch the movie in reverse, like going all the way back, like at 10 speed, and so you're watching the movie fast and backwards. And then you'd get back to the beginning, and because you only had a few VHS tapes, you just hit play, and you just watch it again and again. My sisters had movies. I don't even remember what they were, but they annoyed me. It's like every time I'd hear the movie, I'd be like, I'm not watching that. But I had a VHS tape, and it was funniest baseball bloopers. And I could watch that tape on repeat all the time. Over and over, Jose Canseco would be going back for a ball, and he'd turn and he'd look, and the ball bounced off his head and over the wall for a home run. Over and over, I could watch Jose Canseco do that. And it was fun. For me, I enjoyed watching baseball bloopers on repeat. So as the church was growing, the church was living, the church was spreading and expanding, the church lived on repeat. The past for the church was that they had gone out to all these different places. The Bible records, the New Testament records, at least 14 different places that the gospel had spread. Philip had gone to Samaria, which we read. Ananias was already in Damascus when Paul arrived on the road to Damascus. Ananias was already there, men from Cyprus and Cyrene went to Antioch, Peter went to Joppa and Caesarea, Paul and Barnabas went to Pisidian Antioch, they also went to Iconium, to Lystra and to Derbe, Paul and Silas went to Philippi, Paul went to Thessalonica, to Berea, to Corinth and to Ephesus. The church, as it's known in the New Testament, was defined by their going. The church was not defined by their staying. They were defined by who they were as they went. And everywhere they went, they had the mission of the good news. They had the ministry of making disciples. And everywhere they went, they took the Great Commission as their personal Great Commission. The Great Commission was their Great Commission. Then they get to the present, the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. They were given that task, and they went and took it everywhere they went. And then the church comes to the present, where we are, still having been given that great commission. You know, my, some of my younger girls have learned that they can tell... Alexa, the the music thing, to play music and then they've learned to say, on repeat. But they've also learned that if they go over close to it, that they can whisper to it, and I won't hear them say, on repeat, because it annoys me also. To hear the same song playing over and over, I never notice it the first time. It's like the tenth time, I'm like, are we, guys, come on, don't play the same song on repeat over and over they love playing a song that they like on repeat and the church is called to play the same song on repeat to play the same song of going and making disciples healthy churches naturally make disciples healthy churches naturally are going with the good news and telling people this is who Jesus is this is what he's done in my life this is what he'll do in your life I once was lost But now I'm found. You find yourself lost and I can tell you how to be found. That's the good news that we take through the Great Commission. You know, whenever I meet with a young man, I always think, this young man might marry one of my daughters. And so I take it personally. If I'm discipling or encouraging, what do I want him to know? How do I want him to act? What kind of life do I want him to live? The Great Commission to make disciples is a personal calling for you and for me to go and make disciples. And once they believe and they've been reborn as a new Christian, then we're to teach them all the things that Jesus has commanded. To make disciples, to go to all nations. You know, starting next week, we begin our missions conference The missions conference has a pretty specific goal. To raise money that we can send to missionaries that they can take the good news, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, ultimately. They have relationships. They know people. They speak the language. They have abilities to get there. So we fund the good news going to all nations. The purpose for at least 20 years, has been been to bring all people to the knowledge and worship of Jesus Christ. It's a pretty straightforward purpose, to bring all people to the knowledge and worship of Jesus Christ. Our missions conference has been going on for a long time, and for that time, we've funded and sent out missionaries like Caleb and Lydia on short trips, like Mark and Dana on a lifetime trip. And many of those missionaries will come back and visit with us and tell what they've done. We've got Bob Hiltz that'll be here in a few weeks. I think Vince Payne might be coming out to join us to tell of what has been happening. What has our funding of their mission work accomplished? How has the good news reached all nations through them? And ultimately teaching. The Great Commission is teaching them what Jesus has taught us to be exporters of the good news, that we don't take it and keep it, but we take it and learn it and then give it to others. And God calls and will call people from our church to go and be permanent missionaries somewhere. Some people God will call to other churches, to other cities, and he might do that through a job. Might do that through family. Might do that through some way that you will take the good news and go. Everywhere we go, we are taking the mission of the good news, the ministry to make disciples, and putting that on repeat over and over. A writer named Bobby Jameson says, A spiritually productive man or woman who is a net- burden-bearer and a net wisdom dispenser, a net exporter to others of spiritual good and gain. That net burden-bearer, so when he takes burdens and when he gives burdens, at the end of the day, he has taken more burdens upon himself than he's required other people to bear. Same with wisdom, same with spiritual good and gain. So strive to be a spiritual producer, strive to have your desires so under control, your heart so aligned with God's will, and your mind so transformed by his word that you store up a surplus of spiritual help that you can regularly share with others. The mission of the church is a good news. The ministry of the church is to make disciples. The way that we do that, the message of the church is to be on repeat. So the past, they went out. They went to all these cities. The present, we are called to go out, to go and take the good news. And the future looks like this, Matthew 28:20. 20. Jesus says, and remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. God has a plan. Jesus will return. And until that day comes, we are to be a broken record of the best kind. Here's what the Bible says. Here's what it means for your life. Here's how to follow Jesus. He's called us as the church to love one another, to take the good news, to love one another, and to take the good news, to love one another, and to take the good news. I could keep going, but you get the gist, right? That we are to continue as my kids would put it on repeat, to just let it play in the background of our lives to give more than we get, to care more than we're cared for, to spiritually, through wisdom and through discipleship, teach and train, to be discipled, that we can be taught and be trained, and ultimately to take that as our export, to take the good news, to take the message of the Great Commission to the ends of the earth. I'm excited about the Missions Conference. It's a great time. I love hearing the missionaries Um, we've got Jeff Org, who's coming the fourth Sunday of our missions conference. He's also our banquet speaker. He's the president of Gateway Seminary down in Ontario. He was here probably 10 years ago or so, and he was phenomenal. I, I remember specifically when he was here. And all the other guys are great, and they're fun, and we get to see what the Lord is doing around the world. But our calling for us Is here that we make disciples and our calling is all nations that we would fund the Great Commission work around the world so pray about this what is the Lord calling you to do as we consider our missions conference over the next four weeks and also what is God calling you to do as you consider your great commission your personal great commission let's pray lord as we desire to be net exporters of who jesus is of what he's called us to do we pray that you would give us the wisdom and how to do that that we would love the good to seek the best for all people especially those who know you and are called according to your word lord we ask that you would challenge our hearts to go above and beyond to be encouragers to be disciple makers to be disciplers lord that we as a church would shine brightly the people driving by the people that know where we attend the people that know we worship you that they would see christ in all we do and we ask these things in jesus name amen